The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Well, no, I don't think so, Arthur. The way Maud was tossing and turning last night, I just know she wants to have that baby. It never occurred to you she might have been tossing and turning because she doesn't want to have the baby. No, but you don't understand Maud. If she didn't want to have the baby, she'd have no problem in telling me. Instead, she tosses and turns and says nothing at all, which has to mean she wants the baby. What about you? Me? Yeah. I think it's terrific. I'll get a chance to read Goodnight Moon. <laughs> you ever read that, Arthur? Good night, little mouse. Good night, little house. Good night, shoes. Good night, socks. I prefer the. Uh... <laughs> Frankly, I prefer the little choo choo that could. You know? <laughs> I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I knew it could. I knew it could. I knew it could. I knew it could. Woo! Just between you and me, Walter, I don't know why Maud wants to have a baby at all. At her age, you know, there are certain risks. Well, don't underestimate the maternal instinct, Arthur. Besides, she may also be fighting the idea of abortion on moral grounds. And you don't want to interfere. I think I interfered enough already. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, June 30th, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be The recent U.S. Supreme Court's overturning the infamous 1973 Roe v. Wade decision has created outrageous reactions and in the process offered us an unexpected insight into the greater zeitgeist of irrationality in which we have been immersed. It should be noted that the legal and political significance of overturning Roe v. Wade has less to do with abortion than it does with legislative jurisdiction, the state's jurisdiction or the federal government's jurisdiction. But the moral and philosophical significance is overwhelming. Any way you look at it, it looks like we will be wading into another row over abortion. It all gets underway right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Now, I am certain that there are many who would consider my personal opposition to abortion to be in conflict with my political support of freedom of choice in abortion. But this is not so. In fact, the case that I hope to demonstrate today is that if you are pro-life, as I am, you can save far more lives in an environment of freedom than in an environment of prohibition. And I learned this the hard way. As those of you who have been long-time listeners to this show may already know, I began my involvement in quote-unquote politics when I joined and campaigned with a group called Right to Life, only to persistently observe that they were losing their battle. A battle, I was later to learn, was not only unwinnable, 
but counterproductive to any objective of saving lives, quote-unquote. And I hope to make clear why that is so by the end of our broadcast today. We'll be touching on some of the specifics of the original Roe versus Wade decision a bit later in the show today. But it should be made clear from the outset that the name Jane Roe, quote-unquote, was a pseudonym, you know, just like Jane Doe, for a woman named Norma McCorvey, who has since gone public telling the world that she lied and misrepresented just about everything in that case. Go figure. (laughs) In contrast, Wade was the real name of Texas District Attorney Henry Wade. Now, the primary significance of the 1973 decision was one of jurisdiction. Do the states have their own constitutional right to determine their own abortion laws, or does abortion fall under the jurisdiction of the federal government? The Roe v. Wade decision handed that jurisdiction to the federal government, much to the alarm of constitutionalists everywhere. So, this issue is nothing new to me, and now, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, we may be looking at a rare opportunity, and excuse me for saying this, for a great reset on the abortion issue, in a way that it can be set right. To that end, let us begin with a trip back in time, specifically to March 11, 2010, more than 12 years ago, when Robert Vaughn and I interviewed Ann Coulter, for the better part of that hour, about her upcoming trip to Canada, around which the primary concern was freedom of speech at that time. Now, of course, other issues were discussed as well, such as the very subject that concerns us today. And part of that discussion went like this. Now, if it were up to you, would abortion be illegal? Yes. What would be what would be your ideal penalty, say, for a woman who had an abortion or a doctor who performed one? Would death. Death. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I warned you about her humor. Bob. I, I'm so glad you added. I'm just kidding because, to be honest with you, your answer is perfectly consistent with that belief. No, uh, it is. not not really. The no, point well, it, it, is. Look, I, I think bank robbery should be illegal, but it, but I don't know exactly, you know, what the penalties are, how you, um, you know, what the, what the levels of mitigation and aggravation in the crime are. I mean, these are state criminal law issues, um, but it has been taken out of the hands of the states, and I mean that is one of the the beauty parts of of the United States that gets taken away when liberals start inventing rights. Um, but, but the idea of the Constitution, which is the most freedom-promoting document ever, ever created, is that you have these 50 little experiments. And different states, and moreover, towns within the states, would also have their own regulations. Can pornography be sold at the corner store or can't it? Will abortion be allowed or won't it? I promise you New York and California will make abortion up until age 13 legal for the rest of our lives. When the Supreme Court or Congress, unless it is a matter that has to be national, for example, national defense, when Congress or or the Supreme Court step in and say, this is going to be the one-size-fits-all rule for the entire nation, there is no experimentation, there is no evolution, there is no learning or trying different things. And and that is a matter of democracy, that we can't vote on what the laws are going to be on abortion. It's just out of our hands. If I could just get back to your main point. There are all kinds of degrees of murder. There's manslaughter. Um, There's first degree, second degree, third degree. Even within the the, the basic category, there are aggravating circumstances. There are mitigating circumstances. So, you know, it's it's the fact that there will be different... It will be treated like a murder. 
like all murders. <laughs> Understood. I think I think she's made her point that it is a, a case for the courts to and, and individual judges to look at the case state uh, by state. And there, in a nutshell, is the debate that has been reignited by Roe versus Wade being overturned. Now, I should point out that Just Right's interview with Ann Coulter was but one of only two or three that she agreed to do in Canada because she didn't trust any of Canada's mainstream media to report on what she had to say in an objective or fair way. So, you know, the fake news phenomenon has been with us for a lot longer than most think, and we've been dealing with it without even realizing it. Now, that was 12 years ago, and while we're still sitting in our time machine, let us now move the clock forward to 2019, three years ago, in August to be specific, when Robert and I were granted the privilege of covering every aspect of the People's Party of Canada, the PPC, convention up in Gatineau, Quebec. It was there that I first heard of and met none other than Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson, who as a PPC candidate that year, brought a fascinating political proposition along with her. It's an amazing bill. It is a bill to end late-term abortion. And it's only from 24 weeks on, Mm -hmm. meaning the baby is viable, the baby can feel pain, the baby's kicking, yawning, and even what they say is a smile. The baby's a a fully formed little person, but the, the mother and any woman in Canada would still have a full six months to decide to terminate the pregnancy if they wanted to. So we feel we're trying to get a cross-partisan ownership of this. We're, there is a poll that says that 70% of Canadians feel that uh, late-term abortion is not acceptable. They also don't like sex selection. Now, this particular uh, proposal that you would bring, would that be directed against the uh, potential mother or would that be uh, directed against the physician? Right. There are aspects to the bill where it would compel a physician and a mother to make alternate arrangements and, you know, could be under the criminal code. So I'll ask you a question that we asked Ann Coulter once when she was on our radio program proposing a similar thing, and that is what would the penalty be for a mother or a physician who would violate that particular law? Right. We want to compel doctors. We want them to really be the ones that would resist and not perform these types of... Uh, we, You know, our leader, Maxime Bernier, uh, was really put on the spot in Quebec. And this is kind of how it really came up. I have never been a pro-life activist, but uh, Maxime Bernier was put on the spot in, the, in Quebec. And of course, you may know, he has voted pro-choice. He's, you know, pretty much a libertarian and uh, easygoing fellow, and he doesn't want to compel people to a lot of things. But here's what they said. They said, well, well, when does, you know, when do you feel that it's wrong? Like, do you have a line? Like, what's your, they really pushed him and pushed him. And finally, he kind of blurted out, well, you know, two days before the baby's born, that, that's like, that's wrong. That's infanticide. That's murder. When he said that, well, of course, you know, the... The, all the press blew up and there was, you know, article after article about what he'd said. And uh, he even, you know, said to me that I got him in a lot of trouble, right? But um, the, the question is always, what is the right thing to do? And we as a civilized society, at what point is it right? So I don't know yet what, what should be the penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, I would need to consult with many people. But what we want to do is we want to say as civilized people... I have to say, I walked away from that interview extraordinarily impressed by Laura Lynn, 
And quite frankly, I was expecting her raising of this issue to be a political train wreck. But I recall after that interview, both Robert and I couldn't help commenting on just how reasonable Laura Lynn was on her proposal and how honest and forthright she was in addressing a very difficult dilemma, no question, namely the potential consequences of violating an abortion restriction. Now, back to the present day. On this side of our upcoming bumper, J.P. Sears, on his June 7th Awaken with J.P., explains why he was wrong on abortion. And on the return side of the bumper, Sarah Gonzalez leads a Blaze TV panel discussion in which what is perhaps the most important issue, not only behind the abortion issue, but also the COVID vaccination issue, namely informed consent. Hi, friend. In this video, I probably won't be very funny, but what I will do is share with you why I changed my mind about abortion. Oh, and trigger warning, my current thinking about the topic will probably piss you off, no matter which side of the aisle you're on. And if you don't think my voice should be heard, then that implies that you don't think men can get pregnant. So be careful, because we don't want you contradicting yourself with the conflicting Marxist agendas that your mind is infected with. Also, my current thoughts on abortion probably aren't what you think they're going to be either. You might be thinking, oh, JP, Mr. Freedom, well, of course your thinking is going to be in line with the conservatives. No, not exactly. And you might also be thinking, well, does that mean, JP, you've gone all crazy liberal on us? You're going to dye your hair blue next? Nope. My thinking definitely isn't in line with what they're told to think, nor is it in some boring middle ground either. It's more in like a, a straight line that pierces into a different dimension. So let me explain. I used to think pretty much like a leftist about abortion. Not only did I think women should have the right to an abortion, I thought getting an abortion was a pretty empowered choice for a woman to make. Like, <laughs> you go girl, kill that baby. And I also used to think that like in the first trimester, the baby that you're about to kill, it's not really a baby yet, because I've heard other people say that, and it's a pretty convenient thing to think. Here's my most embarrassing blunder about my old thinking about abortion. Now, I'm not proud of it, but it's true, so I'm going to share it. Here it is. The thinking that was going through my mind about abortion, it wasn't my thinking. The leftist propaganda about abortion got to me. I'll admit it. I, I fell for it. And it's 100% my fault. It was nothing other than mental weakness and a lack of self-awareness on my part that allowed it. And the scariest thing about it was I didn't know it was propaganda. I thought it was my own thinking. Without sugarcoating it, I think there's evil tyrannical people in this world, controlled by Satan if I'm being honest, and I am, who want to keep the population of the world small so it's easier for them to control everybody, and they want to destroy the nuclear family so people grow up weaker and are therefore more controllable. And knowing's half the battle. Getting people to get abortions is a big strategy of theirs, and they get people to get abortions through their propaganda that gets people to think that not only are abortions okay, but abortions should be a celebrated, empowered choice. I no longer believe abortions are just okay, and I certainly don't believe there's something to be celebrated. I look at what I used to think and what's all over the leftist media today, and it's very clear that people are being persuaded to think about abortion as a virtue. This happens through weaponized morality. That's when you have manipulative people 
who get good people to think that doing something horrible is not only not horrible, but it's a good thing to do. It's a moral thing. In Nazi Germany, it was turn your neighbor in to face a certain death because it's the right thing to do. Now it's scream at your neighbor for not getting jabbed because it helps keep everyone safe. Or peacefully burn down buildings in Portland because racial equality is important. Or get an abortion because of women's empowerment. Sound familiar? Yeah, it's all weaponized morality. I will unapologetically say that pretending a baby isn't a baby and then killing the baby is not a virtue. It might be a choice, but it's certainly not a virtue. Having a choice is empowering, but that doesn't mean any choice you make is an empowered choice. For example, if you're over 21, you have the choice of whether or not to drink large amounts of alcohol every night. And if you choose to get drunk every night, that doesn't mean you're choosing an empowered choice. I think we'd all agree that though the choice is yours, choosing to drink excessively every night is a very disempowered choice. Yet weaponized morality tries to get women to think that they're making an empowered choice if they choose to abort their baby. So what do you think about abortion? Great question. Here it is. I think abortions are evil yet should be legal for the first couple months after conception. I truly believe that abortion is straight up killing babies. And not only is that not a virtue, that's evil. Yet if I imagine I'm a woman, as apparently a lot of men are doing nowadays, and I imagine I was raped, which is certainly an act of evil itself, and I got pregnant from it, I think I would get an abortion. Is that still evil? Like, I don't know, probably but I'd still probably get one. Okay, and you said a couple months after conception, like why a couple months, JP? Ah, it's just kind of an arbitrary number. But what I'm certain of though is late-term abortions and even mid-term abortions should be completely banned. And for the record, I don't believe any of the BS that says, well, a baby isn't a baby until we want it to be a baby. No, a baby is a baby from the moment of conception. And there's evil lunatics out there that want to be able to kill babies up until the moment of birth. And there's even a California bill that's been proposed that would allow people to kill babies up to 28 days after birth. There's no question in my mind that there's nothing but pure evil behind this. And if you give these evil lunatics an inch, They'll take a mile, but they'll take that mile inch by inch so your mind acclimates along the way and can't quite distinguish how outrageously evil the acts are. Unchecked, you can only just imagine where these evil lunatics will have abortion in 20 years. Oh, your kid's two years old. Uh, does he talk yet? No. Oh, well, a clump of cells isn't really a human until it learns language. So why don't you take him out back for an abortion while we celebrate you? Okay. So you might be saying, okay, JP, you think abortion is pure evil, yet you don't think it should be 100% banned? Don't you think we have a responsibility to protect unborn children? That's a great question, and I could imagine how that could be very true. And another way I'm looking at it in this moment is through the lens of a freedom maximalist. For the baby inside that mother, God has assigned that mother and father to be the protectors of him or her. And in the name of not letting the God-given freedom and sovereignty over the mother's being being infringed on while the baby's inside of her, I do worry that outsiders stepping in to try to protect the unborn child 
could be an erosion of freedom that exists on a very slippery slope. And if the parents not only don't protect the fetus, but actually harm it, then that means they are very shitty protectors. And from there, that's perhaps for God to deal with them about, not for other people to play God and deal with them about. And I don't know if I'm right with this part of my thinking. I just know it's what my thinking is in this moment. So in conclusion, I think abortion is evil and should be a choice with limits on it. And I think it's a very evil choice. I also believe there's many loving women out there who have had abortions and now they feel the pain and regret of it. To them I say, please have a voice so your light can help illuminate a better way for other women out there who would otherwise be misguided by all the weaponized morality and the abortion propaganda. I am a product of rape, and my mother was raped at 14, I was born at 15, but just knowing her story, mm. I always had this sense of, well, I would hate to make another woman go through a pregnancy, mm. so I had that little compassion in me, like I wouldn't want that to happen. Even though I had life, and I was grateful that I had life, I had, okay, well, if they were in that situation, I wouldn't want them to go through what my mom yeah. had mm -hmm. to go through. Yeah. And then as a young person at 22, I had an abortion. But I think what really did it for me is at 22, I was told by the uh, abortion doctor, it's just a lump of cells. Mm. And then once I was married mm. and you know we had a planned pregnancy and I'm in there and we had an ultrasound just to confirm my pregnancy, the doctor goes, look, Right there, that's the heartbeat. Mm. And I realized that the abortion that I had, I was further along yeah. and I'm like, that was not a clump of cells. Yeah. And I, I yeah. just cried because I was thinking, what have I done? Even after I had the abortion, I was really sad. But I think seeing that on the screen, that mm. now this baby has a heartbeat, whereas I killed one mm. that obviously had to have had one as well. Yeah. We're not telling women the truth. Right. People yeah. don't know what's really real about abortions. It's, it's a very devastating thing to go through. You literally have the life sucked from you. Mm. I think people need to be given the real clear yes. answers around abortion. And then if you decide to make that decision, more power to you. It was very something that my heart wouldn't allow me to do. I know people that have had four or five abortions, mm. late term. I think that it messes not only with your body, with your mental course, ability, yeah. and I think women need to know the real truth around it, and they don't. Yeah, yeah. every every sorry, sorry, real quick. No, every form of abuse, we fight child trafficking, and, and uh, that's what we do. Every form of abuse, you find force, fraud, and coercion. Mm -hmm. I mean, every form of abuse. So if you just what you just said, that doctor coerced you right. by saying it's just a lump of cells. Look at what the left is doing. Mm -hmm. They're coercing women to come out in the streets and go radical. Mm -hmm. And I actually think they're making the best case why Roe v. Wade should be overturned when you look at California saying up to 28 to 60 days yeah. post-birth. Correct. Yeah, so agree. to your point, women are coming and going, we, I cannot align with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, I think so too. Every form of abuse is accompanied by force, fraud, and coercion. And guess what? Every policy on every issue on the left is accompanied by force, fraud, and coercion. COVID, anyone? You know, that woman's story about how she was not given the proper information 
to act on informed consent about her abortion is key to our own COVID dilemma today. The government is preventing informed consent about taking the fake vaccines. And the government's also doing everything it can to prevent informed consent on the abortion front as well, a phenomenon I discovered back in my right-to-life days. It's just a vaccine. Yeah, it's just an abortion, right? Yes, it is. But before I continue to address more of the comments we just heard, I want to follow through by providing a proper and accurate insight about what an abortion is and how it is performed. This, thanks to Paul Joseph Watson, on June 26. Over 98% of abortions are either economic or in the case of the vast majority simply because the baby is an inconvenience. In other words, baby killing is a form of birth control. Yes, the Roe versus Wade news is absolutely terrible. I booked a ticket back to Canada. Seriously, how many abortions are you people having? If the prospect of not being able to get one literally forces you to leave the country. And let's just remind ourselves what they're all so virtuously indignant about. Their right to have babies chopped up inside the womb, limb from limb. Amazing correlation between pro-choices and their blinkered ignorance as to how an abortion is actually performed. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. The abortionist uses this clamp to grasp an arm or leg. Once he has a firm grip, the abortionist pulls hard in order to tear the limb from the baby's body. One by one, the rest of the limbs are removed, along with the intestines, the spine, and the heart and lungs. Usually the most difficult part of the procedure is extracting the baby's head, which is about the size of a large plum at 20 weeks. The head is grasped and crushed. The abortionist knows he has crushed the skull when a white substance comes out of the cervix. This was the baby's brains. The abortionist then removes skull pieces. He removes the placenta and any leftover parts of the baby with a curette, scraping the lining of the uterus for any remaining tissue. And there you have it. A fairly brief but explicit description of the abortion process, and I just wonder how many women having abortions done are aware of this reality. In any effort to convey informed consent, no matter what the issue, the philosophical law of identity has to be obeyed. And what you've just heard about what an abortion actually is establishes the identity of that thing we call an abortion, and it's not just a thing, it is an action. The same principle applies to the so-called COVID vaccines. For the condition of informed consent to be met with regard to these injections, the recipient would have to know that there have been millions of harmful side effects and that the so-called vaccines have never been properly tested, that the risk of catching any viral illness following the jabs is higher than not getting the injections, etc., etc., and all of the other horrifying and indisputable facts that we reviewed on last week's show. So, let's address some of J.P. Sears' dilemma. He says, it wasn't my thinking in explaining his then leftist views. But you know what? I have to admit that my own original thinking about abortion, on the other side of that issue, was also influenced by others. And maybe it wasn't all my thinking. Right to life, they called it. And therein lay the Achilles heel of their objective. Looking back, I now understand that right to life 
had the right values, but were arguing for those values on the incorrect metaphysical and epistemological grounds which is why the pro-abortion lobby has been so successful. They were arguing more for anti-abortion laws, the right to life people, than they were for a right to life. Let's never forget, because we always seem to, that the whole abortion debate is a political one, not a medical one. Which, by the way, also holds true for the whole COVID controversy, doesn't it? The problem in this with regard to abortion... While it is true that a human life begins at conception, individual rights do not begin at conception, nor do they even begin at birth for that matter, nor even after birth when there's no question that we are dealing with a human baby, a child. Children do not have quote-unquote rights. These rights do not accrue until some level of maturity, that level which we call reaching the age of consent or the age of majority as opposed to being a minor, someone who has status and not rights. This again is why the whole idea of allowing minors to consent to vaccines is such a moral and criminal offense. A human life begins at conception. About that there can be no doubt, because to disagree with it is to deny that each and every one of us walking the face of this earth at one time were in exactly that stage of development. And what are we? We're human beings, right? But here's where things get a bit tricky. And this is why I think that J.P. Sears is suffering needlessly from a false contradiction. A baby is a baby from the moment of conception, he asserts. Well, I hate to disagree, but it's not. To call a human a baby at the moment of conception is as invalid as calling that moment of conception an old man. Neither of those potentials has been reached. From conception to birth, we are witnessing a compression of millions of years of human evolution into a nine-month period. Evolution in action from two cells to a multiplicity of cells. Now, consider the validity of saying that a baby exists at the point where we know that there are only, say, two, four, eight, sixteen, or a thousand cells. Really? That's a baby? The terms baby, child, adult, etc. differentiate between different stages of human development. The proper questions to be resolved by society in this regard are at which stage of development does this human being acquire a status that society can rightfully claim to protect, and to what degree? And then later, at which stage of development does a human being acquire rights and the individual freedom that is the consequence of those rights? Remember, by definition, rights cannot be separated from responsibility. This is why the very concept of rights and responsibilities cannot possibly be assigned to the unborn or to children. They have no capability of either exercising their rights nor of being held responsible for their actions. In the case of the unborn, they cannot even act, let alone be held responsible for any action on their part. The term rights, therefore, is inapplicable to the unborn. I remember when I first recognized this epistemological error, and it suddenly occurred to me that any group fighting to give rights to the unborn is fighting for something that does not exist and cannot exist, by definition, by reason, and by logic. So the question immediately arises... Well, hey, even if children are incapable of possessing what we properly call rights, then why can't adults abort them or abuse them whenever they wish? Well, because unlike adults who possess rights, children are assigned a status. 
a status that ultimately recognizes their potential to acquire and exercise rights, and which is arrived at by rational means. The difference between a person who has rights and the one who has status was best explained by Isabel Patterson in her book, The God of the Machine. In fact, she distinguished a free society from a tyrannical one based on that very distinction. In her terms of reference, we either live in a society of contract or in a society of status. A society of contract is one in which its individuals have the right to contract, to make voluntary agreements and arrangements with one another as free individuals, meaning they have individual rights. A society of status is one in which the state determines the destiny and choices of its citizens, while the state reserves the right of choice to itself. Now, when it comes to children in a free society, their status is a subset of the rights of their parents, and it is the parents who are the ones responsible for the welfare of their children, and properly and justly so. The rights to life, liberty, and property are fundamental to the structure of any free society, but the term right to life is grossly misunderstood within the context of the abortion discussion. So for me, the big question regarding the preservation of life and how to do it best is this. Do I want to spend time and effort fighting to have the unborn assign some kind of rights that do not even exist? That they're not even capable of possessing? Or do I want to actually minimize the number of abortions performed, not through prohibition, but through the voluntary choices made by those considering that option? And how do we accomplish that? I'll have more to say on why I think the second option is the most effective right after we inject another dimension of the whole abortion debate into the mix, the intolerant and irrational left. So here again, on this side of the bumper, but on her own show of June 24th, is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson in conversation with Washington Times reporter Cheryl Chumley. And on the return side of the bumper, David Menzies of Rebel News, back on May 14th in Ottawa, tries to get some pro-abortion activists to explain why they support their views. And boy, does that ever tell a familiar story. An epic day in the United States of America, something that many of us never thought would actually happen. And it has. They've overturned Roe versus Wade. And now I'm no expert, so I'm going to bring on the expert. And that is my dear friend. I love her to bits. Uh, Cheryl Chumley. We've had her on the show before. She is with the Washington Times. And so Cher Cheryl, welcome to the show. What can we make of this decision today? What does it mean? So Roe v. Wade was overturned, which means it goes back to the states to decide. And what that means for average American citizens is it's a great day for the Constitution because it upholds the individual states' rights, which is the Tenth Amendment of our Constitution. And it forces legislators to become more transparent and accountable to the people where they stand on the issue of abortion. Because now the various 50 states, legislatures and governors will have to take open and, and transparent votes on how they will decide abortion in their respective states. And so really, since that's a smaller form of government instead of the big federal 
uh, court system, its individual states, that gives people the a bigger voice in their respective states. So it's a win for life, for innocent life. It's a win for the Constitution. It's a win for transparent governance. What do you think about Maxine Waters and the way that she kind of uh, relates to all of this? Well, she did the same thing when Donald Trump was rising into the White House. And she was out there calling for resistance against Trump supporters in the streets, in the restaurants they ate at, at their places of work, even at their homes. And now here she is once again drumming up that same sort of thug-like element to counter what the Supreme Court did today by taking to the streets. And, you know, there are plans to have what's called a night of rage. There's a group out there that is saying and threatening, really, that because of the Supreme Court decision, that they are going to take to the streets at night and just commit acts of violence. And look, this is expected because this has been the Democrat Party's mark for a very long time. It was Nancy Pelosi who years ago called for summers of resistance because Donald Trump won the presidency. It was Maxine Waters, Chuck Schumer threatening Trump supporters and the Supreme Court justices with more violent acts or drumming up the idea of violent acts. And now here we are again, the left didn't get its way in court. So what do they do? They wanna to take to the streets and commit acts of violence. When we look at what has happened today and how crazy it's going to make everyone, it's still sort of ridiculous because you can go into any state that's going to offer abortion. It's not as if this is the end of abortion at all. That's a very important point, and that's the point that the left wants forgotten because, of course, the left doesn't want just abortion with certain limits and restrictions on it. The left wants... Uh, complete unfettered access to abortion on demand up to the ninth month. And in some cases, if you listen to the Democrats, they want the right to abort after a child has been born already, which of course is an abortion. That's just outright murder. But this is what the left is campaigning for. So it's not as if you correctly say, it's not as if abortion now is banned in the United States. It means the states can decide what to do in their own respective states. And you know, full well that the liberal run states, the Democrat controlled states are, are going to open the doors wide for abortions, which means anybody in other states where there are restrictions on abortions can certainly travel to those states and have the procedure performed there. So I expect Democrats to roll out the abortion bus and, and bring their uh, various Democrat voters from state to state who want abortions, and I'm sure that's how they're going to deal with it in the weeks and months to follow. David Menzies for Rebel News here at Parliament Hill, and the March for Life is about to kick off in about 10 minutes. Uh, but as always, there is a small counter demonstration. Uh, what is immediately noticeable is the inordinate amount of mainstream media uh, here at this very small counter-protest. In any event, we always embrace freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of assembly. So let's see what the counter-demonstrators have to say regarding the abortion debate. Your morality has no bearing on the contents of my uterus. Talk to Rebel News, sorry. Well, sorry, what was that, ma'am? No, then I talked to Rebel News. Oh, okay, then. What about yourself, ma'am? 
Hi, ma'am. I'm just reading your sign. Pro-choice reproductive freedom fighter. Um, what is the message you're trying to convey here? Uh, I don't really want to speak to Rebel News. Sorry. Oh, right? Oh, we can't have a civil conversation? No, we can have a civil conversation. <laughs> but... <laughs> just wondering uh, what brings you out to this counter demonstration probably not, today. Probably not going to talk to you. Probably not going to talk? Okay, fair enough. How about yourself, ma'am? Okay. Hello, my friend. I'm just looking at your sign. Their abortion, their choice. What does that mean exactly? That means that uh, non-binary people and people people with uteruses uh, are allowed to have uh, abortions if they so choose. We're here to give support to those who feel affected negatively by the, uh, the March for Life. I believe in the woman's right to choose, and I don't believe in you know what's going on across the street there. Okay, so I'm here, fair enough. Uh, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's legal health care in Canada, and it always should be, and it should be the woman's right to choose. And I, as a man, don't have any right to say anything to the contrary, or anyone else, in my opinion. So that's my point of view. So um, for donation, for organ donation, in can, uh, Canadian law, that if a person, they have to give consent before they give organs after death, right, to sustain a life. So if even a corpse has to give their consent, why would a living person not have to give their consent for their body to be used to sustain a life? Banning abortion is, sex is sexist and classist because women are the one that needs to carry babies. Women are the one that get put through that torture. Men don't have the right to make those decisions. Men can have one night stands and then leave. Women are the only ones that have to take responsibility for your choice. Can I ask you a follow-up question? No. Why are you saying F Rebel News? Because you guys well, you're, you're not a real news outlet, so I'm not talking to you. <laughs> oh, okay. Then are you here for the counter demonstration? I'm just walking around. I, I live in Ottawa. I'm just, you know, walking around Parliament. Okay, then. What do you think about the fact, guys, that about 100 million babies have been aborted just because of their sex? Namely, they were girls as opposed to boys. They're cultures that value males more than females. Do you support that, sir? What are you talking about? No, what are you talking about? I thought it was very clear. Rebel News isn't a real news outlet, so we're not... We're not oh, like, it isn't. What? Go away! Oh, on whose authority, sir? You're not a real I, I, I told you what I think of you. I didn't tell there's no authority. Okay, then. One quick question. What is your opinion on sex-selective abortions since the 1970s? Some studies... This is why I'm not interested in speaking, because that is a red herring. It's a false flag. Is it really that 100 million girls have been aborted simply because of their sex? That's, a, that's not a domestic issue. That's not a domestic issue. It's happened in Canada, actually. That's a man issue. That's a man issue? Hmm. I don't understand that answer. I mean, I don't have the facts in front of me, so I can't speak to that. But, I mean, it's not my choice. I don't have, a, I don't have the right to comment on a woman and what she does or does not do with her body. And that's my line. But if it's simply because of her sex, isn't that the very definition of misogyny? You're given a death sentence because of your sex, not because of anything else. I think that's a tad reductionist, and I'm not sure if it's as, um, as uh, pertinent in our culture, but, I mean, that's your interpretation, and mine is, you know, healthcare is a right, healthcare, and abortion is healthcare, and that's that, so. Everybody does. That's a ridiculous loaded question. Okay, well, you know what, I have, have to... Have a wonderful day. All right, then. Praise Satan! Nothing is sacred! Before I leave, how do I do a praise Satan ceremony just in case I venture over to the dark side? 
Uh, there is essentially no ceremony. Satan doesn't exist. It is a meaningless idea, and so is all of this. I can't speak for other people's countries or other uh, studies that I've not read, unfortunately. If I were to have to choose, maybe I would say that the abortion's up to uh, up to the person who, who gets it. It's not up to me. To, oh. to, well, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's not up to the government to limit people's access to medical uh, procedures. By the way, is that truly a fear here in Canada? We don't have an abortion law since the 1980s. This is my message to you. Public cervix announcement, F.E.U. That's not very ladylike. <laughs> oh, we're not ladies when we're fighting for our rights. Oh, I see. Okay, then. Yeah, speaking of women, ladies. We're women. No. What? Not speaking doing it. Here no. it is. There it is. Okay. Well, okay. I'm... I'm just trying to have a civil conversation, get your point of view. Sure you are. Yeah. I'm sure you are. You're trying to take back our rights. That's right. Okay. Well, have the rights been taken away? Is it illegal in Canada to have an abortion, ma'am? Are you here? I guess not. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. It's clear to me that most of the counter-protesters against the March for Life event are of the belief that those marching for life, quote-unquote, are in fact advocating some total prohibition of abortion. Whether that understanding is correct or not, consider the advantage that those marching for life might gain if they simply dropped all talk of abortion prohibitions completely and strictly focused on a campaign of informed consent about abortion. The first thing that would happen is the pro-abortionists would be deprived of the issue they claim to object to, and then they could be confronted with the realities of what an abortion actually is and with the implications of choosing that option. Now, I call them pro-abortionists because I don't for a minute believe that they're campaigning for freedom of choice in abortion. That's the last thing they want. They want free abortions, on demand, which means that those who oppose abortion on whatever grounds should be forced to pay. In other words, they want the choice, others have to bear the responsibility. However, in the world of reality, freedom of choice means responsibility. If you make a choice, you pay for it and you bear the consequences. It is immoral to impose those responsibilities on others. Now here's Alex Jones and Tucker Carlson elaborating more on this recent decision and issue. Here's something really good we can say about Trump. Talk about delivering the goods. Here it is. Do you want to see the court overturn? You just said you want to see the court protect the Second Amendment. Do you want to see the court overturn Roe v. Well, if we put another two or perhaps three justices on, that's really what's going to be, that will happen. And that'll happen automatically, in my opinion, because I am putting pro-life justices on the court. I will say this, it will go back to the states and the states will then make a determination. Donald has said he's in favor of defunding Planned Parenthood. He even supported shutting the government down to defund Planned Parenthood. I will defend Planned Parenthood. I will defend Roe v. Wade, and I will defend women's rights to make their own health care decisions. Secretary and we have come too far to have that turn back now. And in, indeed, he said women should be punished, that there should be some form of punishment uh, for women uh, who obtain abortions, and I could just not be more opposed to that kind of thinking. If you go with what Hillary is saying, in the ninth month, you can take the baby and rip the baby out of the womb of the mother just prior to the birth of the baby. Now, you can say that that's okay, 
And Hillary can say that that's okay, but it's not okay with me. Because based on what she's saying and based on where she's going and where she's been, you can take the baby and rip the baby out of the womb in the ninth month on the final day. And that's not acceptable. Well, that is not what happens in these cases. And using that kind of uh, scare rhetoric is just terribly unfortunate. You should meet with some of the women that I've met with, women I've known over the course of my life. This is one of the worst possible choices that any woman and her family has to make. And I do not believe the government should be making it. And I can tell you the government has no business in the decisions that women make with their families, in accordance with their faith, with medical advice. And I will stand up for that right. Nobody has business doing what I just said, doing that as late as one or two or three or four days prior to birth. Nobody has that. All right. Wow. Good job, President Trump. And he is our president. And even if he was a bad guy, which he's not, they stole that election from us, not just him. He is the president. And I told Trump, I said, they're going to censor you if you don't stand up against censorship. Thousands of people are marching in New York City. 4,500 people are heading to Chuck Schumer's office. Jeremy Lefredo works for Rebel News. He is there tonight. We thought we'd check in with him. What do you see? What's happening there? There are thousands of people here. I've seen chants and signs calling for the abolition of the Supreme Court, calling for the end of white supremacy. And I've been seeing signs that are also calling for um, the forced vasectomy of men as opposed to abortion for women. So it's, it's really wild here. These people seem pretty organized. I mean, it's, it seems like these signs must have, some of these signs yeah. and stickers and the coordinates, I mean, it, it seems like they were ready for this before it happened. Yeah, I mean, the signs were mass produced somehow at a moment's notice. Everyone's holding the same signs. I don't know where they got them. Uh, I've asked a few people. They said, you know, someone's handing them out. Um, I don't know who's behind it, who's behind the signs. And there's even some uh, posters going around that say, you know, tonight is a night to riot. Uh, verbatim. So, you know, who knows what, what's to come for the rest of the night. So if they're calling for the elimination of the United States Supreme Court, the forced sterilization of men and rioting, then this is a dangerous extremist movement. I don't know how else an honest person would describe it. Am I missing something? Yeah, of course. And and it's also important to highlight these are the same exact people that stood by and watched as thousands and thousands of New Yorkers and thousands of women in New York were um, fired from their jobs for not um, submitting right. to the vaccine mandates. So they are pro-choice um, and pro-bodily autonomy in one area. And of course, they're not pro-choice or bodily autonomy in the other area. Yeah, and they hate democracy. The idea of voters being able to decide how they're governed uh, is the worst possible outcome they can imagine. Jeremy, I appreciate your covering this force tonight. Thanks so much. Thank you. When it comes to choice, because that's the buzzword, my body, my choice, it's been that way for several decades with the feminist movement when it comes to abortion. But what happened to that saying in the last two years, guys, when it came to getting injected with an experimental vaccine for COVID? What happened to my body, my choice? 
I mean, I chose to get injected. I'm a scientist. I have a master's of science. It's something I believe in. I believe in, you know, public health care. I believe in the health of others and individuals. I mean, you have the choice to get it and the choice not to get it as well. And I mean, if you lose privileges and your job or whatever, I mean... And you're okay with that? I mean, I didn't lose my job, and it's okay. the happiest two days of my life or getting happiest three days of my life getting three injections. So oh, I'm okay. here, I'm safe and healthy, so... I think the two things are actually not quite the same because what a woman does with her body does not have much impact on the rest of society. As for vaccines, I mean, the, the choice was... The, the point was to um, slow down and reduce the whole COVID pandemic. So I don't think the two can actually be... Uh, I don't think the same argument applies. I really can't comment on that. I'm not a scientist. Okay, I'm sorry. I do not believe that people should be forced to be vaccinated. People can choose to stay at home, work from home, and not be vaccinated. Just as they can if they want to send their children to school, there are mandatory vaccines that you need to go to school, or you can homeschool. You have a choice. You cannot choose to stay home to take your pregnancy off. So if you remove abortion, you remove that choice completely. You cannot make other choices around once you're pregnant. You have no problem with people being fired, suspended without pay for not getting the injection. Listen, people get fired for being women, for being queer people all the time. So if the worst that happens is one person loses their job or a few people because of a choice that they have to make. I mean, people lose their jobs all the time for things they have no choice in the matter. So I'm okay with it. Well, I'm not happy with women or homosexuals being fired either. I mean, but I'm just talking about this issue of choice. If you believe in choice, wouldn't you believe in choice not to get vaccinated? I mean, that's your choice. You don't have a right to get on an airplane. There's nothing that says in our in our charter that you have a right to fly across the country. So without vaccination, you lose privileges. And these are privileges, right? So it's part of our society. And I think it's a done deal in our society. Sorry, what was that, ma'am? You were saying uh, you don't want her to talk to me? Why is that? We're just asking some questions. No? You'd rather not talk? Okay. How did you expect that to go? And how about, what's that, sir? How did you expect that to go? I'm not, I'm, I couldn't hear you, sorry. How did you expect that to go when you walked over to her? Well, I'm not a mind reader. I was just asking a question, sir. It's her choice if she doesn't want to comment. Well, you knew she wasn't going to comment before you started walking over. I did not know that. Know. <laughs> how would I know that, sir? All right, well, how about yourself? Where do you weigh in? I've got nothing to contribute to you. Nothing. No. Okay, then. Have a nice day. Again, it's very odd. People assembling in the public square holding up signs, doing chants, and you go to ask them politely to weigh in on the debate. And, um, well, it's not quite no comments, girl. Do you remember her? We bumped into her a couple weeks ago, uh, just a, a few meters away. Uh, at least we didn't run into that kind of um, response. Check it out. No more comments! It's like interviewing a no Coke machine comments. when your soda doesn't come no out. No more comments! <laughs> she just... No more comments! It's... No more comments! It's like a, no a fembot no has malfunctioned. Comments. And you think no that if somebody is going no to comments. go on a corner... Walk away! No more comments! Why do I have to walk, walk away? away. Walk. No more comments! No more comments! Why do I have to no walk away? It's a public place. No more comments! No more comments! No more comments! Do you mind no me asking, what do you do for a living? No I'm now interviewing no a sign. So I think... The theme I'm picking up here is that when you challenge demonstrators with logic, um, they simply either have a meltdown or they clam up. 
Uh, you would think if they go to a demonstration, they would research their position. So, you know, you could have a cognitive discussion with members of the media, but I guess, welcome to cancel culture. What's wrong with you? How did you get your job? I, it's hard to hear. I guess, no, Excuse Chris, me. Chris, Chris. Excuse me. You're going to get a heat stroke, so uh, you know, that, get out of here. That's that's actually technically assault. Oh, of course. You threw it's, yeah, it's assault. You're a very serious Pearson that had his hat taken off, and it calls it assault. No, but you know Fucking what? Baby. You oh, lost wait. the argument because what? you can't articulate. No, I articulated. That was a plain articulation. Are you triggered? You're calling Am I grabbing anything? Am I grabbing anything, okay, I grabbing anything of yours? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Let's go. Okay. Let's sorry. What? Did you get a real job, though? What, what, oh, what's your job? Revolution. What's your job, not sir? Revolution journalist, not a I can't hear you with the I face diaper on. I protester like everyone else here. Okay. <laughs> what's your job? I told you, I'm a paid protester like everyone else here. You're a pin cushion? A paid protester, yeah. Oh, you're a paid protester. You know, your message would be better without the face diaper on. Are you really that afraid? Are you that afraid? Yeah. <laughs> so, technically, that is a solid. If you grab something off a, a person's body and toss it. Um, but again, I'm happy he did that, folks, because it means I automatically win the debate. If you can't articulate yourself without making ad hominem attacks, without doing a form of assault, I think you've won the argument. The one thing that all those on the left have in common, whether they're talking about abortion, COVID, climate change, racial issues, or gender issues, is that they're incapable and unwilling to have a rational discussion about their beliefs. And that's because they're, they're so ignorant. The thing that unites the left is that they are completely oblivious to the facts because to them facts don't matter. How often have we been saying that? The fact of abortion and what it is, and the deadly nature of the COVID vaccinations. The fact that fighting climate change is a completely fake issue and has nothing to do with climate. They are utterly disconnected from reality, and as a consequence, their only means of communication is intolerance and violence. What a pathetic and contemptible bunch. How can people like that possibly even participate in anything resembling a democratic debate? Anyway, here's my personal bottom line on the whole abortion issue. Yes, I support freedom of choice on abortion, subject to the law of identity, which would determine when an unborn human being actually becomes a viable baby, meaning being capable of being separated from its mother and still surviving. That's the earliest point at which society might be able to claim to extend some status of protection to human life incapable of fending for itself. Pretty much, I don't see anything wrong with the general position proposed by Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson in the first quarter of our show today. When the abortion issue is settled by outright prohibition or outright license, either extreme, the necessary conversation, moral, medical, ethical, political, values, legal, etc., simply ceases. Informed consent ceases to become an option. In the absence of choice, that conversation serves no purpose. And in the absence of choice, life itself ceases to have meaning. Because it is only in having the choice in the first place that you can even say that you can choose life. This is a conversation that is far from over. And freedom of choice 
lies at the heart of all our conversations on any issue, as you'll discover when you join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. <laughs> Good morning, Doctor. Good morning, Mrs. Curtis. What can I do for you? Well, I want a termination. I see. Well, with abortion, the first question is one of time. How many months is it now since conception? Well, it would be, um... Trevor, how old were you last birthday? <laughs> Sixteen. Um, 192 months. <laughs>